On our last episode, we talked about falling into bondage, and that oftentimes could be the result of our own sinful desires. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to continue that conversation and talk about legalists, people who are false teachers who come into our lives, who hinder our relationship with God. So turn to Galatians chapter 5, and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Well, hello, my friends. Jason Jimenez here. So glad that you guys are joining me for another episode here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Today is podcast 179, and today's message is on the tactics of a bondage leader. And we're going to be specifically looking at Galatians 5, 7 through 15. Now, to bring you up to speed where we left off last time, we looked at verses 2 through 6. And in essence, like any concerned and loving parent would do, if your children are doing something that's off, that's against the policy, the rules, right, if you will, that you've laid out before them, or they're doing something that's dangerous or something that you do not approve of, you're going to let them know. And you will let them know because you are called as parents to protect them. That's Paul. Paul was with the church, right, in Galatia. He helped start the churches in Galatia. He shared the gospel with these pagan people. And of course, while, and we see this when you go through the book of Acts, Paul was dealing with false teachers repeatedly everywhere he went. Matter of fact, many of them would travel looking and they would follow Paul. They were stalking him, if you will. And so Paul certainly was no stranger to false teachers, and so we're going to see today that as we do um, know that in our lives, sometimes we can be led astray by our own desires and they can lead to bondage. I also want us to be made aware of scripturally speaking, theologically speaking, that we can le- be led to bondage because of bondage leaders, because of people who lead us astray. Now you can say, well, Jay, isn't it our fault in the end that we listened? Well, think about how many times you've been scammed. You bought into it. You thought it was true. Of course, if you knew it was a lie, you wouldn't have bought into it. You wouldn't have used your credit card. You wouldn't have bought this product. I'll never forget when I bought, I saw this thing. It was on Instagram. I was actually looking for this program, you know, this, this product. And it's just like sometimes when they, you know, could read into your Google search. And so it was this, this product that I've been researching for a while. And I just didn't, you know, like the cost of it. And I was hoping maybe I can find it for cheaper. And so on Instagram, there was an advertisement that it's popped up of this product. And if you, you know, get it now, you'll save money and yada, yada, yada. And I, I clicked on this video to watch it and looked up this company and everything seemed to be legit. Well, it was just, it was a, it was a scam business in China and I got the product like, I don't know, like three months later, of course, they didn't tell you how long it was going to take and I get it and it's nothing like the video, nothing like the website. And of course I did a little bit more research and realized, yep, you know, other people had fallen for the same thing and, you know, had blogged about it or talked about it and I just didn't see it at the time. So I wasn't thorough in my research. Now that was a, that was a dumb mistake. And of course I regret it and had to throw the product out because it was just, it's a piece of junk and you could get frustrated. But many of you guys sadly know something that's way more extreme way more damaging than a loss of a few dollars on a on a, a piece of junk 
is when you're led astray, when you buy into a lie that was committed or told by a spiritual leader. And so today, you guys, th this is very serious. And I know with the size of our listenership out there, that sadly, there are people listening to me right now who have been either in a cult or um, you were in an abusive relationship or you had a spiritual leader in your life who spiritually abused you, sadly. Uh, maybe, you know, you had parents who, and maybe they're still alive, or maybe they passed away, who professed to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and they lived a double life. You know, we're living in the era where a lot of this stuff is broadcast very quickly on social media. In recent years, as I'm recording this, the legendary, world-renowned Christian author and apologist, Ravi Zacharias from Ravi Zacharias International Ministries you know, came out that he was living a double life and he was in a lot of sexual relationships with women all over the world. Now, listen, there are going to be people who don't buy into any of those claims whatsoever. And I sympathize for those people. I wish they were not true. But as we waited for the investigation to come out, Ravi was, again, not a a close friend of mine, but someone I had been around multiple times through ministry and um, was introduced to him through Dr. Norman Geisler. Ravi Zacharias endorsed my ministry. So I can say that I clearly was an individual who was standing by his side while some of these accusations came out early. While come to find out, Ravi was a bondage leader. He was using his reputation, his position of authority, and he used that to abuse, to manipulate people. And, and so you guys, this is a reality and we have to be made aware of these things. Cause I know that it, it's appealing and I've watched many of them through the years, you know, these documentaries of people who come out of cults, right. And they tell their story and how they were freed and how they got out of that, or, you know, you know, whatever traumatic experience that, that they endured through a, a, a cultic leader. And we could be drawn to that. It's like a murder mystery thing. And you wonder, you know, and I found myself asking these same questions. How on earth could these people fall into this? Why, why would they, why were they believing this person when they were saying to them, as they're abusing them, as they're locking them up, this is what God told me to do. And sadly, you guys, a lot of times it's through uh, manipulation. A lot of times it's, it's led by guilt you know, the guilt conscience that we carry or the fear of being labeled, not buying into certain things. And so as we talk about this stuff, you guys, uh, let's, let's, let's be aware of these bondage leaders that are out there. Let's be aware of their message and be trained and be discerning and be wise in how we counter these people and expose them as well. And I also want to say this before we dive into Galatians chapter 7, uh, chapter five, verses seven through 15. And that is, I thank God for true leaders. Don't you? People who are living the gospel out that are an example for us to follow. Because in this case, we're going to see in, in the context today, that's what Paul does. Paul says, hey, you've been taught this by me. And now you're being taught this from the legalizers. Who's telling you the truth? They're living life this way. And the Bible tells us to live life this way that you've seen me live. Who are you going to believe? And I cannot tell you guys in my own life, the people who have been that for me, 
who taught me grace, who showed me how to love a wife, who showed me how to be a father, who showed me how to study scripture, who showed me how to properly defend the faith. I'm indebted to those people. And I pray that we continue to raise up more godly examples because I'm telling you, it's like everywhere you turn, there's another bondage leader. Now, when I say bondage leader, just to be clear, I'm referencing legalists, you know, or the, the term that we often use, which is more most common, is false teacher. But I want to use bondage leader today because yes, what ultimately a, a false teacher does is 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 yes, and and by definition, they teach things that, that are an error, that are that run contrary to the teachings of the gospel. And and so um, you know, we can say it's antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, they're a false teacher. But as, but as being a false teacher, what they want to do is lead you to bondage. They want to lead you to lead you astray. And so, I want you guys to keep that in mind, so that you can evaluate and look at your life and make sure that you guys are clear of any infestation or any influence, right? of a false teacher, even as, as you go to YouTube and you listen to certain podcasts and you go to buy a book that you're aware of what this person truly believes. That's important. So with that being said, let's dive in. Let me read Galatians chapter five, verses seven through 15. So Paul writes there, you were running well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another so what i want to do as we go through these verses you guys and and again that feeds back to the to the title why i titled the message you know tactics of a bondage leader I'm going to reveal to you certain tactics or markers of what bondage leaders do to try to lead people astray. So the first thing we're going to see in verses 7 through 10 is how legalism hinders spiritual progress. Now, the first thing we see here is that Paul uses this phrase, you are running well. See, that's what happens. You guys ever said that to yourself as, man, things are going great until fill in the blank. And that's essentially what's happening here is, you know, they come to Christ they get to know Paul. Paul is equipping them and, you know, he's building a unit of support and they're building community in Galatia. And Paul, you know, moves on to continue to do the work that God has called him to do. And then as they're walking in the spirit, as they're growing in their faith, someone's hindering them. Now, before I give you the Greek term of what this phrase, who hindered you means, What's important to point out first and foremost is how often Paul used athletic imagery when describing the Christian life. That is so important. We see him mention it in Galatians 2 verse 2. Here in Galatians 5, 7, 
Romans 9.16, 1 Corinthians 9.24, Philippians 3.13-14, and 2 Timothy 4, through, uh, 4 uh, verse 7. And so this is, this is the imagery that Paul uses a lot. And so let's understand why. Because when you look at sports, when you look at athletics, we know there comes discipline, there's rules, there's an end goal in mind, right? There's a winner, there's a loser. And so Paul applies that to teach us life lessons as we walk with Christ. Now, this phrase he's saying here, who hindered you, this points to the first marker of a bondage leader. Because in essence, what a bondage leader does is they want to hinder your walk with God. The word hinder is anekopsin in the Greek, and it portrays uh, being cut in or, or being interfered. So the Judaizers, essentially, you guys, catch this contextually, they're basically being uh, pictured or the portrayal that we see here is they're, they're like ringleaders, and so these ringleaders, they, they kind of gang up on, or they're gaining up on the Galatians, okay? And they're bullying them. They're cutting in their, into their community. They're interfering with what they're doing as Christians. So it's like them running a race and they're trying to disqualify them. And, and I love how the IVP New Testament commentary puts it. It says, quote, the picture is of a runner who distracts another runner, blocks his way, cuts in on him, trips him. Everyone would have been very angry with a runner who did such a thing. He would have broken the clear rules against cutting in or tripping in the foot races of the Greek festivals. He would be immediately disqualified and excluded from the festival, end quote. Isn't that interesting? Now, what's also interesting is the same word is applied in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul refers to Satan himself trying to hinder us. He said that. Satan's been trying to hinder our ministry. He, he's trying to disqualify us, you know, trying to bump you off path so you're disqualified. And notice he says he's there, that, that ring, these ringleaders, these bondage leaders who are hindering you, they specifically target the truth. He says they hinder you from obeying the truth. This leads to the second marker, the second tactic of a bondage leader is they turn people away from the truth of God. And that's what the Judaizers were doing. They were not leading the Galatians according to the truth of the gospel. They were leading them astray. Now, what's also interesting, you guys, and we cannot downplay this, because Paul says here in verse 8, this persuasion, it's pesmoine in Greek. It literally means this contrived persuasiveness is not from him, that's referring to Paul, who calls you. So the third tactic of a bondage leader is their use of manipulation to get people to do what they want. Now, again, this contrived persuasiveness, this points to, the, to a, a well-versed pitch. So just like a marketing company, when they have a client and they evaluate the company, their DNA, what they stand for, they look at the product, they look at the um, cost, you know, evaluation of it. They look at the demographic, the market, things like that, right? They, there's a lot of research in psychology. There's a lot of investigative work. There's a lot of roundtable discussions. There's a lot of story uh, telling and storyboards to get to the end product. So when you see a, I don't know, a 30 second commercial, typically think of the countless hours that it took 
and the, the countless numbers of people and bring in the right talent to be able to put off, you know, to, to, to perform, to put out that content. And so here, you know, bondage leaders, you guys, a lot of them, they're, they're not just some cheesy salesperson who, who didn't, you know, go to school or anything. A lot of these people are very, very persuasive. They're very knowledgeable. Doesn't mean they know the truth, but they're very knowledgeable. And I love this because you guys, when you have somebody who is, you know, truly um, that manipulative and smart to, you know, argue their case and to show you why, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, comes from Greek mythology or something like that. I love the fact that Paul here, when he says here, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. So what he does is he distinguishes himself from the deception and manipulation of the Judaizers. And that's what goes back to, it goes back to when I was saying, I'm so grateful and thankful for people who have been an anchor, who've been a standard, who've been an example, because one way that we can see the despicableness, if you will, or the, manipula uh, the manipulation of, you know, tactically by bondage leaders, by, in this case, Judaizers, is when we can actually look at someone who has been well-established in scripture that are not teaching things that run contrary to scripture. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 14, for such men are false apostles. Catch this, they're deceitful workers. They disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds, end quote. So, it's easy sometimes, you guys, for people to fall prey if they don't know, if they're not really grounded in the truth. But notice, they come deceiving them, disguising, they pretend. It's like those false commercials. The product does not look like that in, in reality. And you go there to, you know, get those fries or that hamburger you saw in the commercial. It looks fantastic. It's perfect. And you go buy it and it does not look like the commercial. They, they deceived you into believing that their product is that good or that you're going to get these results if you act now and you, you, you know, you drop, you know, your credit card with three small payments. It's always like $39.99 and then they slash it and says, now, if you act now, it's $19.99 and just, it's, it's just this constant motivators to try to get people to pick up the phone or to go online and to order the product. And they show testimonials and befores and after. And that's what's happening here. That's why Paul says here in verse 9, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. See, it starts small. Deception may not be as can you know as 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 significant. Well, I just don't think that Jesus, you know, was really who he says he was the way that a lot of people in the church say. I mean, just made a little statement. You think, oh, that's a little alarming, but nothing that's like, you know, false doctrine or heretical or something. And you kind of just move on. Or somebody says, you know, I, I don't know. I just, it, I personally, you know, I'm not gay. And I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, Bible says, you know, judge not least you be judged. And so, you know, if people want to be gay, they, you know, they live their life and, and, and we just got to support them. And you're thinking, okay, I agree with some of that, but not all of it. 
no big deal. And then after a while, maybe with that person, they come back and the woman has the right to choose. And I don't believe the infallibility of scripture. And I don't believe Jesus claimed to be God. And I don't think that Jesus is the only way to God. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And that's, that's in essence what happens a lot of times, which points to the fourth tactic of a bondage leader. And is they will seek to influence to gain control. And so if it takes a little bit here and a little bit there to earn your trust, they're going to do that. Now, this phrase leaven or in the, in the way that Paul puts here, little leaven, if you go back to the Passover, remember Jews were told not to eat leaven because it represented evilness. It represented sin. You see this in Exodus 12 and Deuteronomy 16, three through eight. So Paul here is using leaven as an example of the spreading and the corruption of false doctrine. So if you if you think about it like this, because this was happening in uh, Galatia, in the churches in Galatia. So think of it as a community uh, and the community is dough. And so think of, the lies that were being told in that community and the lies represent yeast or leaven. Well, what happens when a little yeast, a little leaven, little lies, little false doctrine comes, it starts spreading. And eventually it will affect the whole community. The dough will be leavened. And so the sinister influence of the Judaizers was causing the Galatians to question whether Paul's teachings regarding the gospel were in fact consistent to scripture. They were saying, no, it wasn't. And so he's confronting them on this, just like Paul, you know, knew of the teachings of Jesus where Jesus said in Matthew 16, 6, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Matthew 16, verse 12, again, he says, then they understood that he did not tell them to be aware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Paul would tell the Corinthian church in chapter 5, 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So, so that's what Paul is conveying to the people of, of Galatia. You guys beware that they're trying to influence you. They're trying to, to, to gain your respect, to gain reputation with, amongst you so that they can earn your trust so then they can start teaching you guys even more false doctrine. And eventually before you know it, you guys are all going to be deceived. Right now, some of you guys are, are being deceived and some of you guys are contemplating. But if, if you don't deal with this leaven, if you don't see it for what it truly is, you will all be leavened. You will all be deceived. But I love this in verse 10 because in the midst of all this, he says, I have confidence in the Lord. This is what Paul writes, that you take no other view and the one who's troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. This leads to our fifth tactic of a bondage leader. And that is they spread confusion and they want to create havoc among the people. So not only are they trying to gain influence so they can have control, but they also will utilize confusion and create havoc. They want division, you guys. Isn't that all signs that point to Satan? But this phrase, I have confidence, see Paul's hope in the Galatians gives us a glimpse into his relationship with them. It also reiterates that reiterates that the Galatians were in the stage of contemplation, remember, over whether to give into the, Judea, the, the Judaizers or to heed to the apostles' rebuke. Are they going to listen to Paul or are they going to listen to the Judaizers? So remember before when he posed the question, who's hindering you in verse 7? Here he says, who's troubling you? 
So it seems here that Paul, as I mentioned, you know, a little bit earlier about Paul, you know, encountering some of these false teachers, he was aware of what was happening. He was aware of these ringleaders that were causing the Galatians to have these problems. He may not have, you know, specific information or knowledge as to who they were and what specific movements, but he was quite aware. And again, this points back to, you know, against Satan disguising him as an angel of light. And, and, it, and then Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 15, so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So this is what Satan's about. So, it, so we should not be shocked when there are bondage leaders among us, you guys, because 2 Peter 2 tells us that they creep within us secretly. They'll start devising these false doctrines so they can start getting people to listen to them. So here we see that the hindrance, right, of spiritual progress. And now we look at verses 11 through 15 to touch on true spiritual progress in Christ. So Paul says here in verse 11, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense, the offense of the cross has been removed. So here we see the sixth tactic of a bondage leader is to spread lies about godly people. So if all else fails, start ripping on somebody who God is actually using. And this has happened to me. I've had people falsely accuse me of things or to, you know, critique a book I've written or something and, and completely trash it and, and, and make it sound like I'm a false teacher. I mean, hey, whatever. I mean, it's, it happened to Jesus. Jesus told us it was going to happen to us. So I don't sit around and cry about it. None of us should. We pray for those people. But we also need to call out those people who are spreading lies so that people, again, are not deceived. Now, what Paul does here, he says, listen, let, let, let's, let, let's lay out the logic here. If If I, in fact, preach circumcision, the reason why... I believe Paul's talking about this is that maybe there was an accusation that the Judaizers were using or they're taking what Paul, you know, remember when you go back to Acts 16 verse three and Paul had Timothy circumcised. So perhaps in this situation here is that Paul is saying, Hey, look, you guys could be saying, because I did that, I believe in circumcision. But if I believed in circumcision, the way they say I do, and they believe in circumcision, so the circumcised party, why are they persecuting me then, if that's the case? And not only that, but also this offense of the cross. That's where we get the word scandal from, because it's the Greek word scandalon, which means arouses opposition, a stumbling block. And so in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. He's pointing to the pride of man. He said in 1 Corinthians one twenty three, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. In the end, they will, they will fall because of the purity, the truthfulness of the gospel. In verse, in verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate. That's the Greek word apokto, means to cut off, emasculate, cut off themselves. This points to the seventh tactic of a bondage leader, and that is their adherence to worldly rituals. 
See, what Paul is saying to the Judaizers, and again, this is so important, and this is not in derogatory terms when he's talking about castrating themselves. Uh, I believe more than likely he's referencing to the, the sacral castration, which was a practice that was known in the ancient pagan world, not performed by Jews. But in the pagan temples, the priests of, of Sybil, the mother goddess of the earth, what they would do is, and I know this is just, I mean, just even reading this is just so disturbing. But so I apologize in advance. But what these priests would do is they would castrate themselves and then they would place their testicles in a box and give it as an offering. And it was a sign of their obedience to Sybil. And so what Paul, I believe, is saying here, and, and again, he's not holding back. Number one, he's saying, guys, if I bought into circumcision, why are they persecuting me then? If they're of the circumcision, that doesn't make any sense. And number two here is, you know, if they believe so much in circumcision and the ritual, right, then why don't they just castrate themselves like the pagan priest did? I mean, they were all in. So why, why don't they be more extreme than they are? And so what he says here now in verse 13 is he says, look, you guys were called to freedom, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but let's serve and love one another. And so again, Paul reiterates the foundational truth that we're free in Christ. He said in Galatians 5.1, and now he's warning them not to indulge in the flesh, not to use it as opportunity for the flesh. Now, the phrase here, opportunity for the flesh, Paul uses a base of operations. That, so picture a base in, in all the buildings and the logistics and the operations of it. Now, that's what, he's, that's what he's using to capture the warfare between the flesh and the spirit. And think of that operations being under attack, right? So it's got its, you know, it's fenced in, it's protected, and it's there to do a purpose you know, it's a server purpose and then it gets attacked. And so our, our, our spirit, you know, right. We, we are to live for the Lord and use our bodies, not as instruments of unrighteousness, but as righteousness. But we all, we will be attacked within from our own flesh. We'll be attacked by Satan. You know, the real father of lies out there roaming to kill, steal and destroy. And we're also, you know, going to be attacked by the world. And so the, this phrase, it's describing the, the whole person though and the intents and the desires to, to sin because we're born in sin. And the other thing he's pointing out is again, Christian liberty, no matter what the Judaizers are saying, what people tell us today, just because we are free in Christ does not give us license to sin. But more importantly, and this is a, 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 a point you guys have emphasis and a model that expresses what true love is and that is being selfless, not being prideful. One of the signs, you know, that shows us that someone cares is when they love us, they serve us, they listen to us, they give to us. But a sign of selfishness is when you just seek to take, when you're just self-centered. And so instead of being a slave to the flesh, what Paul's saying is, hey, Galatians, be a slave to one another. Don't be enslaved by these Judaizers. Don't present your members of instruments of unrighteousness, like Paul said in Romans 6, 13, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So we are to be members of God as instruments for righteousness, not as unrighteousness. The Judaizers, bondage leaders, they lead you down a path of death. They take your body and they'll use your body, your mind, 
your money, whatever. And they want you to, they, they think that you, when you do that, when you come to their cultic church, when you, when you uh, surrender yourself in prayer to these false deities, that you're presenting yourselves to God and that's false. And so he says here, verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So up to this point, Paul has been refuting the law. And so what he brilliantly does is he returns the law in positive light. And why is that? Well, first, Paul is summing up the law. And second, Paul is showing that through freedom in Christ and by the power in the, in the, in the love of the Holy Spirit, the law finds its fulfillment because love is the ultimate accomplishment of it. So this has nothing to do with fulfilling rules and regulations or obligated, you know, being an obligated Christian who needs to balance their salvation by checking their deeds at the door. Every day we wake up and, okay, these are the bad deeds I did yesterday and the good deeds I did and I got to outweigh them. The, the NIV Biblical Theological Study Bible put it this way, quote, the law was imposed on rebellious human beings. Its practical effect was to exasperate their rebelliousness. Paradoxically, it is those who are, quote, not under the law, end quote, but, quote, led by the Spirit, end quote, who are enabled to show the love that was the goal of all the law's commandments, end quote. So when we look at Leviticus 19.18 and Matthew 22.34-40, through 40, remember when, when the, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the summing up of the law, and the, in the, in the, in, in remember when, when, um, Jesus, when he, when he challenged the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they were silenced and he asked the lawyer, you know, or when the lawyer asked Jesus, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So those are the two commandments. He's boiling it down to those two. And Romans 13, 8 says, oh, no one, anything except to love each other for the one who loves and uh, one another has fulfilled the law. The bottom line is this. If these bondage leaders are true leaders from God, why aren't they loving you? Why aren't they actually teaching you to love God more? Why aren't they loving you the way that I love you? Paul's conveying to them. See guys, that's what's amazing when you look at our Savior and you look at the people he puts in our lives who love us genuinely for who we are. They care for you. But instead, when he says in verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So no doubt, as you can imagine, many of the Galatians were having their own fair share of arguments with the legalizers and that there was probably a lot of turmoil that was going on within the Galatian churches. Uh, you know, with a lot of them saying, no, we gotta, we gotta be circumcised. And then when some of their family members or friends of their church were circumcised, they're like, you know, you're falling prey. And so there's a probably a lot of devouring of one another. And what's so interesting is that Paul actually uses this phrase biting and devouring in comparison to wild animals killing one another. That's how brutal this description is. Now it's not clear, you know, what the specifics of the arguments were, but the important thing is, and this is something that we cannot miss is that we are not to give into the flesh and we're not to pour out hatred on others and cause more division. We have to respond to people the way Paul did here. But he does not hold back, you guys. He exposes to us the tactics that bondage leaders 
will put forth in our lives to lead us astray. So I hope that this has helped you guys understand the mission, if you will, of false teachers and how you can be more aware of their tactics to try to lure us away. And I do pray that if you have solid people in your life that have guided you and supported you and been there for you and taught you the word and are an example of Christ and they love you as they fulfill the law of Christ, that you would take the time some point this week, send them a text, send them a note, call them, meet up with them, treat them to dinner, have them over, but thank them for being a model of faith. I know that they would greatly appreciate that. So thank you guys for listening. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.